And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. There was a shift in, in, in my thinking at that moment, a dramatical shift in my thinking. As Kyle expressed, he might not want to be our GM, and I have to take that very seriously. And it's, as part of my job, that is what I began to do while still hoping that Kyle and I could come to some sort of a resolution. On Wednesday, we did meet privately, and we discussed this again for a long time to Thursday. Kyle had said uh, that his agent was going to call me and that he would reach out to me as well. I got a call in the afternoon from his agent. Basically, a new financial package was presented to me by the agent. The conversation was brief. Just before dinner time, I got an email from Kyle saying that he did want to be the general manager of the Maple Leafs. If I'm being honest, I had gotten to a different place about how I felt about the future of the Toronto Maple Leafs and what was best. And as hard as it was, and as hard as, as it is, to make a significant change to somebody that you're close to and that you've been working with for nine years, nevertheless, uh, the email that I received from Kyle, I just felt differently. And I felt that the long-term future of the Maple Leafs might have to change. All right, James, well, that was something. Uh, I'm literally just home from Brendan Shanahan's interesting press conference to announce that Kyle Dubas is not coming back as the GM. The Leafs decided to part ways with him. Uh, There's lots to pick into here, obviously. Uh, We want to dive deep in on this long weekend. What are your takeaway impressions of what he had to say? Well, I think what I'll say right off the top is I think what people are seeing is some of the I would call it dysfunction some of the dysfunction that's been in the Leafs front office for a while now um you know and it's been hinted at a little bit in our stories but you know there's there were rumors of of things not being well most of the year um and it was a tricky thing to try and nail down to the point where we could report it um but to me that's that's what you're seeing in in what how this played out this week. What about what he had to say led you to that conclusion? I mean, basically everything. I mean, what you know? What's let me put it this way, Jonas. This is an organization that is normally leaks nothing. Nothing comes yeah. out. There's no inf- information. When have you ever seen an NHL team 
hold a press conference and do a play-by-play of a negotiation that didn't go the way they wanted to. Like it's, you go from being an organization that never leaks anything, that is really buttoned up. Ever, you know, ever since Lou Lamarello came in, to his credit, he really closed off a lot of like the open doors that were there. And this was like the opposite of that. This was like, here's, this happened this day and this happened that day and this said, and I know what, what Brandon Shanahan is trying to do. I mean, he's trying to lay out a logical progression of, of what happened. I don't know that he succeeded in doing that, but it, it it's, I, uh, yeah. it's, it's going to be very interesting, Jonas, or what unfolds here over the next six weeks. Cause it's, this is going to be a week I think we talk about in Leafs history for a long time. Yes. And I, and I think what's really important is as much as he came out and laid out this timeline, it's just his timeline. We don't have Kyle Dubas's timeline. Like we are just, I think that's part of the purpose in doing it. Like you kind of come out and say, this is what happened. And it's basically just one side of the story. And this is how it worked. I'll just stop you. Kyle Dubas has declined to comment to the athletic. So um, I'm sure at some point he is going to comment and talk, but for now we're only getting the one side of the story. Yes. And I don't really come away from this whole thing. I'm honestly more confused now than I was before. Are you, or is that just me? I mean, honestly, I don't, I don't think that people should be confused. I think that this highlights that there are issues in the front office and issues with the relationship with Shanahan and Dubas and, like, just if we take it at face value that that's how the negotiation happened, why is there a gap in time where they're not talking to each other? Why is the agent making all of the communication? Why is there an email at the end of the day saying that they want to come back? I don't know. Like, there's 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 a lot of things that are off with what happened there. So, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see how much transparency we get into what happened behind the scenes? Well, let me let me speak to transparency. I can tell you, as someone who was there for Kyle Dubas's press conference and there for Brendan Shanahan's, they cut off questions very, very, very quickly. They did not want a lot of questions answered or asked. Uh, Shanahan spoke for about twelve minutes off the top with that timeline you mentioned, and then spoke, I think, about twelve minutes after that, just on questions. So this was mostly or half of this was was Shanahan just basically talking. Uh, and then a lot of questions were left unanswered. I didn't get to ask a question. I'm sure a lot of others didn't get to ask questions. So let me, what would you have asked Jonas? I, I see, I, the one thing I still don't understand, and he, he alluded to this. I had a few questions I wanted to ask, but the one thing I don't understand, why was Kyle Dubas not extended before the season? I, and maybe that's an ownership thing, but I, he, I'm pretty sure that it was, but I, he talked I around it. He said he went into Kyle's office and he said, you're not being extended. I don't know but, why. But Shanahan can't get up there and throw ownership under the bus. So even if that is what happened, that's not what he's going to say. Okay, well, I don't understand that because then all of a sudden in the spring, all of a sudden they, they want to bring him back. Like that decision not to extend him, James, is the crux of why they're in this position. I mean, one of the questions I was asking myself and I can ask you, let's say they had extended Kyle Dubas, right? They had just operated like normal teams do or normal good yeah, teams. Yeah, give him a two or a three year yeah. extension or whatever. Would this and, have yeah. happened? Would he have been fired? No. No. So, so exactly. You know what it comes back to, Jonas, is, and I think we talked about this a little bit on the podcast, the ownership structure of this team yes. is weird. Is weird. Like, Speak to that because I, I think that well, kind of gets glossed over a little bit. I've, I've interacted with 
quite a few NHL owners. When I worked at the Globe and Mail, a lot of the stories I would do would be about, you know, business operations and, you know, I've interacted with Jeff Vinnick and, and uh, Ted Leonsis and it's better to have one owner, one decision maker, one person who's kind of the face of things and who runs things than this weird conglomerate of, you've got Larry Tenenbaum, but he's only, he could be the one face, but, but he's only got 25% of the say. And then you have a, a large board made up of people with two giant media companies. Competing media companies. Competing media companies. It's just, it's a very potentially very dysfunctional way to try and run something. And I think that that spilled over here. I, I, I think that the reason there was no extension was because of disagreements in ownership over whether or not to give him an extension. And they were gun shy about the deal that they gave Mike Babcock going sideways and it costing them money. I think in some ways the board is operating as if they're running an enterprise that's not a professional sports team, yeah, if that makes sense. That's very, go on, like that's, that's interesting. Well, I mean, like in in pro sports, especially when you're a team like the Leafs that is banking a, a massive profit of whatever it is, eighty hundred million dollars a year, there's going to be losses like that. Like that that happens. Like sometimes you're going to have a Babcock situation. That's the cost of doing business. Yeah. Instead of thinking about it like it cost us, we're paying a guy twenty million not to coach for us. Think about it as if you paid him ten million dollars a year for the years he did coach. I mean, that's just that's how it works. There are people getting paid not to be GMs and not to be coaches all over the league. And the successful teams have a lot of examples of that. I guess it depends on your perspective. Like there may be some people listening that that didn't want to see Kyle Dubas come back. But I know, you know, uh, Joshua Cloak, our colleague, had a survey where he asked our, our readers, and I think it was 75 some percent of people said they wanted Dubas to come back as the GM. You know, I think generally speaking in the fan base, that's what people wanted to see happen. And if we're picking through the ashes of this, of why it didn't happen, I think ownership plays a role in that. Well, and and we kind of seem to get an idea that Kyle Dubas's Monday press conference, and, and you and I know this, that it took a lot of people aback. Um, his messaging about not wanting, yeah, they didn't, yeah, they didn't know that was going to happen, right? So, well, and and I think Shanahan basically said when Dubas alluded to the fact that he wasn't sure he wanted to come back, that's when he started to think that maybe he didn't want him back and yet there were still talks. Well, I wonder that. if it was him or if, I, I wonder if it was the board and the owners. They're watching the Dubas press conference, they're watching the emotion and they're watching, you know, someone that they're talking about committing. I mean, it could have been them that decided that, right? Like Shanahan is beholden to the board. Right. The board could have watched that and be like, eh, maybe this isn't our guy. Which is an odd way to run a, a sports team that just because I mean who who doesn't in in many lines of work at every line of work doesn't have like some days where you're just like man I don't know if I want to do this anymore I I thought that Dubis's press conference was very raw and emotional and they had just I think it, it was yeah he did seem he did seem a little bit burnt out yep which I think is okay at the end of the season I mean I think it's just natural I mean you and I are going to be burnt out at the end of the season I'm too burnt but- out right now my friend and I, we'll see how much of this comes out. Part of what Dubis was burnt out by was just the dysfunction that he was dealing with, the relationship with Shanahan, the everything that's here, you know, and it it could well come down to that Dubis feels, I mean, he's going to get a job somewhere else and he's probably going to be happier somewhere else, you know, So and have more, may have more autonomy. I mean, maybe he'll be hired as a president somewhere and then he can be the Shanahan somewhere else. Well, and I, I think, honestly, that's a, a question that I've been asking myself. Are the Leafs in better hands now or 
without Dubis and, and Shanahan up top and some mysterious GM who we'll get to figure out later? Or were they better off with Dubis? I mean, Shanahan has now been in charge just over nine years. This will be his third general manager hire. Um, it kind of felt like when, when Kyle Dubis came in to replace Lula Morello, obviously a lot shifted. You kind of got a better sense of what they were trying to do, who they were. Now I have no idea who they are. I don't know what they're about. And obviously a new GM will define that. But it feels like this decision has just basically plunged them into like huge uncertainty, chaos. I mean, what happens with Austin Matthews contract now? Does he want to sign his extension on July 1st to some GM he doesn't know? Maybe. Let me let me step in and like the thing I can say is that Austin Matthews loved Kyle Dubas. Like they He's had a on very record. good relationship. They they had a very good relationship. Like they were tight, and and he was rooting for Dubas to come back. I think a, a lot of the players were. I think a lot of the front office was, as I said, the fan base, at least the ones that that you know we interact with. You know, a, a large percentage of them wanted him to come back. Like there were there were a lot of people hoping that that was going to be the outcome. But Austin Matthews is one of the most important people that was hoping that that was the outcome. So, you know, whoever the new GM is is going to have to very quickly try and win over some of the players that that need to think about whether they want to come back and commit to this long term. And obviously that that probably also extends to the coach. You would have to think maybe, likely, Kyle Dubas leaving means that Sheldon Keefe isn't coming back. Uh, I would say like 99%. Chance. So now you're hiring a new coach and you're trying to do all these things in like a matter of weeks, like how they're going to have to hire a new GM pronto. Um, and that guy is, or girl is going to, or whoever is going to come in and have to figure out many, many, many different things. And you've got a staff in place, James, that like is suddenly up in the air. Like so many people in that front office were hired by Dubis and now, now what? Yeah. I don't get this. Like honestly, I'm very I'm it's it's kind of mind-boggling that this is how they they botched this, honestly. Well, I mean, part of it is I I don't know how much Kyle's Dubis's heart was in being part of this. I mean, he expressed he according to Shanahan again, according to Shanahan because that's all we have. He expressed he wanted to come back after some time he wanted to come back. But Jonas, if 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 that's true, are the actions that unfolded in the way that they did the actions of someone who really wants to come back desperately? Do you do you drag it out? Do you have the agent contact them with a bigger offer? Do you send an email saying you want to be part of it? That th- those are the actions of someone who's not sure about. Again, that's just the, the r- side of the story that we've been told. I don't know. I, I just have to say that I don't know that that's exactly what happened. How do I know? I don't know. But yeah, it's it's a fair point, and and clearly that the the uncertainty is what swayed Shanahan, swayed ownership, whoever it was. Maybe it was both, but it just that uncertainty for that to be the determining factor in basically putting your organization into chaos. Like that just doesn't seem worth it to me, honestly. I don't get it. So if we yeah, if we take that sequence of events at face value, do you think that they should have? met the request, the last minute request that Dubas had. I mean, it's hard to know. We don't know exactly what it was, but what I was, what I was told, and it's, it's, if you go back, it's, it was on the athletic in the aftermath of their season ending. What I was told is that Dubas would want a very substantial package in terms of 
term and dollars to make him one of the highest paid, if not the highest paid GM in the league. And and also what he would want is more autonomy than he had. Fair request. No? What is this? The second most valuable team in the in the NHL? I mean, if not the first, yeah. And it's and it's a high pressure, high stress environment. And the only thing that like I don't know why that request wasn't made earlier for the package that he actually wanted. I don't know if he had time to reflect after the season ended and said, you know what, this is actually what I think I'm worth and I want to keep doing this. Another thing I don't understand, James. So Shanahan talked about in the spring, they said to him, you know what, we're good. Like, we want you back. What changed? Like, literally, it's not like they had accomplished anything in the playoffs at that point. So basically, they were just having another good regular season, just like they had another good regular season last year. Why all of a sudden in the spring were they like, yeah, you know what? This guy, he's got something. We want to keep him. What? Like, It doesn't make any sense to me. Well, I think I personally, I, w- this is still a developing story. Like this just happened this afternoon and my phone's blowing up and I think that more information is going to come to light. But my feeling is that there is a problem with the relationship there between the two men and, and in the front office in general. And it's that dysfunction is not a lot of fun to be a part of. I mean, I think we've all worked in workplace environments that are not great. And like, you know, Kyle Dubas is going to be someone that can go somewhere else and write his own ticket and be free of the dysfunction and be, he doesn't have the board, doesn't have Shanahan where he goes next. Can start again. Let me ask you this, and this is a difficult question. Why should, if you're a Leaf fan, why should you trust Shanahan to to make the right move now. I mean, he's done lots of good things, obviously, but this is chaotic again. And some of this is, and not some of this, a lot of this is like self-inflicted, just like it was self-inflicted to some degree with with um, Lula Amarello and Mike Babcock. Like, what should people be hoping for moving forward given this? People sh- should have their fingers crossed that he hires a really good general manager and and lets that person do their job. That's what fans have to hope. Like that's cross your fingers, and I mean that, that this person's gonna be hired real quick. Yeah, which is always good. Like that's what you want, right? You just want to make this decision really quick. Well, the other thing that's interesting that did that Shannon said is like he had it, he made it sound like he hadn't really given any thought to looking thinking about what his other options were, and that this week was like oh like all of a sudden I got to like start to figure out like he didn't really have a backup plan here, which I don't know if. I don't know. I feel like if I was in his position, I would always have a backup plan. Like even with, you know, what we do at the athletic, if like we're worried about someone's leaving, we always think about like, okay, if that person leaves, then what happens? Like, it's just natural that you would do that. Well, and so basically what they've chosen is there's two doors. One door was Kyle Dubas and the other door was just this big question mark. And they said, we'll take the question mark. Like we, unless, unless this is part of what I'm saying is like, unless he had an idea what was in that question mark already. Yeah. You would have to think you would have some idea. You would yeah. hope. I mean, the rumor the rumor has been Brad Tree li- living. Is like, I mean, that's a rumor that I can't remember when I first heard that. Yeah, I remember you told me in it was a long time no, ago. Like way, way back when, like in the middle of the season, people were saying Tree Living is going to be the next GM. And March 10th is actually when I got the text message. So anyway. So it could be Brad Tree leaving. I mean, he walked away in Calgary from an also a very dysfunctional situation um, to to kind of bet on himself. 
Is is Brad Treleving's record better than Kyle Dubas's? It's not. No, it's that's what I was going to say. It's not an upgrade over Kyle Dubas, but Kyle Dubas is not an option anymore. Well, let me ask you this: um, Is there anything more about? I mean, there's so much to pick through with with what um, Brendan Shanahan had to say. Um, before we get on to that part of the conversation, is there anything else about what he said about talks about the way it went that that you want to talk about or get into? Mm. Putting you on the spot. Yeah, I know. I can't. I, I mean, I think just like I think I've generally just said kind of how I feel about what's going on, and like I said, I'll reiterate again. This is really a developing story. There could be we're reacting like literally minutes after the Shanahan press conference ended. So we haven't had we haven't had a chance to go through all of this. Um, the people I've talked to so far that are close to the situation are feeling very uneasy about what's going to come next. Kyle Dubas basically had created everything that was in that front office and like knew everyone and had hired almost everyone. And so it's going to be, it's going to be really, really interesting to see what happened, what unfolds here over the next few weeks. Like people are, people are worried. People are worried that this is going to be, th- this is going to be a, a turning point in a bad way. For, for the organization. Well, because like there are gigantic decisions to be made. Um, obviously, we touched on the coach. We touched on, well, actually, we haven't touched on the major trade that seems likely with one of their, their top players. You're just going to be handing the, the car keys to someone entirely new. And that's like, that's uncertainty, right? That's obviously, well, yeah, go ahead. The other thing I would say is that like Brandon Pridham might want to leave. Um, Jason Spezza might want to leave, you know, I mean, go down the list, right? Like if they're, yeah. you know, the, the development team, people might want to leave. If, if Kyle Dubas, I know Kyle said he didn't want to resurface with another team in a week, but money talks like I, it's still possible that this off season could result in him landing somewhere else and he could bring people with him potentially. So, um, you know, I think one of the things that Shanahan's going to have to do and the new GM are going to have to do is win some people over because you don't want to have mass upheaval in the front office. You don't want to have to rebuild the entire thing. Yeah, and that's that's a possibility. That's that's kind of what you're choosing. You're choosing that option, potentially. Um, Punch, our producer, notes that, that the Flames haven't allowed teams to speak to Brad Chi Living yeah. until his contract yeah. expires on June 30. Which is a very petty thing to do. Um, but it, I, we've seen this in the past where teams have, you, you run with an interim, the complicating factor for the Leafs is they've got all those no movement clauses and everything coming on July one. They've got no movement clause for Matthews, no movement clause for Marner and a no trade clause for Nylander that all kick in July one. So if you're trading any of those guys, you probably want your GM in place to figure that out before then. You, you would think so. I mean, you would think so. I, I guess the only thing is like. They hired Mike Babcock when they didn't have a, a GM. So, like, who knows? Yeah, I mean, Shanahan could take the lead on this. Shanahan could try and make progress on it. Yeah, I guess to your point, like, um, Brandon Pridham is like, I'm, I know he was hired by Brendan or by Brendan Shanahan. He's Kyle Dubas's guy. Like, those two are tight. I'm trying to think of a creative mm-hmm. way to say it, but like, they are. That's what they are. Um, so what happens with him? Like we know from what Shanahan said, and this was something you and I were debating beforehand is 
that they're going to be looking for an experienced general manager. So that crosses off a lot of AGMs or people like that out immediately. It doesn't really leave a a big pool and it doesn't really leave an especially attractive pool, does it? You know what's interesting? You and I were talking about this before we started recording and I pointed out that there's something like 25 or 26 of the GMs in the NHL are in their first job as a GM. So there's a lot of first time GMs. There's there's fewer retreads than than in the coaching world. And my counter it, and I'm sure that this is what they're thinking, is like there are fucking huge decisions to be made. Do they want to entrust someone who's never done the job before to do it? Clearly they do not. Now you can you can quibble with that. You can say is that is it just because someone has experience doesn't mean that they're qualified or the right person to make those decisions, right? I get it. So Jim Nill had never been a GM before, right? Before he went to Dallas. No, he had been Ken Holland's AGM for like ever. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kelly McCrimmon had never been a GM before he went to Vegas. Yeah, I don't, he hadn't been in the NHL, had he? Like he was, wasn't he in the dub? He was with Brandon. Yeah. Yeah. Bill Zito was not a GM. Bill Zito had had never been a GM before he went to Florida. He was an agent. And in in Carolina, Eric Tulski is kind of the GM, even though he's not the GM in, in name, but there's, so there's a lot of examples of, you know, the good a lot of the best teams in the league have people who are in their first job as GM. So I don't think that that should be the disqualifying factor. I think that you just have to get someone good. And one of the benefits of having a president is that even if you have someone who's inexperienced, you should be able to lean on your president to have experience to help that person. Okay. Well, in theory. So are there any first time GMs that you would, or AGMs or anyone that you would be like, yeah, that's, that's the right person to hire. Like is Tolsky. The person, yeah, I think Tulski would be interesting. I don't know if he, I don't know what his contract status is, and if you can pry him out of Carolina or not. I mean, I know he's the owner; he's in with the owner there, and I think he interviewed. If I'm not mistaken, I thought I saw in Pittsburgh, but I could be wrong about that. Yeah, I think that that's accurate. I would look at like in this situation like this, I would look really long and hard at some of the most successful teams in the league and see if there's you know assistant GM there, like you know someone out of the Tampa organization would be really interesting. Um, Boston, I think you could potentially think about, you know, and you want someone who's not going to be intimidated by the job, you know, someone who's going to really be able to, to deal with the spotlight and deal with the pressure. And in some ways I can see potentially a former player being a fit. I mean, there's so many former players that have been GMs. Um, it's been interesting, you know, like Bill Zito was an agent uh, Ken Hughes in Montreal, an agent, like that's become more of a thing. I think that they would be able, agents would be able to kind of navigate some of the things that they would need to. I, I just don't see that happening, James. Like I just don't, and, and Shanahan's comments only reinforce that. I don't see them turning to someone who's never done this job before. But the pool of people who have had the job before is- That's the problem is not, with- Is not- Yeah, that's part of the problem with what they've done here. Well, that's the problem with sticking to the idea that it has to be someone that's been a GM before. Well, the problem with that, as much as I understand it, is there is no time to get accustomed to the job. Like You're basically jumping into the deep end and making massive changes with no experience in that specific job. But if you're an AGM with one of the best teams in the league, you're pretty smart. You know the league well. You've probably been negotiating contracts. You've probably been dealing with agents. You've probably you've been navigating trades. You've been doing all of those things. In my opinion, some of the AGMs around the league, like the one here, like some, they're some of the smartest people in the league, like the one here. Yes, but I would I wouldn't have any problem with Britton getting the job. 
based on the way he talked about that, it does not sound like that's likely. No, it, no, it doesn't. But I think like what we're talking about is like what's the right thing to do versus. Yeah, good call. Yeah. I think putting the qualification that it has to be someone that's been a GM before makes no sense, especially like I said, when you look around the league and like 90% or 85% of the GMs are in their first job as a GM. Like that's, it's it's not the same as being a coach because coaches get recycled through and fired every four years, right? Like it, as a GM, you're there for a long period of time. Well, when you're talking with people who've done the job and you get to some of the names, it's like, Mark Bergevin, Peter Shirelli, uh, John Chaka, like these guys haven't had much success or varying degrees of success. And a lot of like, oh, that's the decision. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what else to say here. I feel like we need to digest this more. <laughs> like, I'm honestly, as much as like you, it's surprising. Is that the end of the show? Yeah, it's almost the end of the show. As much as it was surprising the, the way this played out, it or not surprising, it still was surprising the way that this all played out. And then Shanahan's co- press conference did nothing to eradicate that, I guess. People people I've been talking to close to the team have been nervous ever since they went out that it was not going to go the right way. People who are like pretty plugged in with the team, I talked to on the weekend, like they were eliminated last Friday, so it's been a week, right? It's been a week since they were eliminated. It has, yeah. And I remember like standing in my backyard and like kids are playing on the swing set and I'm on the phone and people were just sound really worried. Even back then, even before, so even before the the press conference on Monday. And I think what people were worried about is that there was going to be some snag either with Shanahan or with ownership or, or something and it wasn't going to go right. And then after the press conference on Monday, word started to leak out that either Shanahan or ownership or whatever weren't happy with how that went down. And that's when people were, the messages I was getting on Wednesday and Thursday were like, I don't think it's going to, I don't think he's going to stay. So it's very interesting that that Monday press conference is like a, a flex point. Like it doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? No, it does not. That that a press conference basically decides the future of your team. And like Austin Matthews could just decide he doesn't want to sign an extension because the guy, like I always thought that idea was a little like far-fetched that, yeah, he's not going to take the money, but maybe. And then what? Like what if, what now, what if the next GM comes in Let's say Matthews is just like, whatever. He's like, fine, but I, I'm not ready to sign an extension. What do you do? I don't, I bet he, I bet he doesn't sign it right away. And he's going to want to see like what the off season looks like and what the team looks like and who the coach is. And like, all that's not going to be settled by July 1. And I think it would have been settled by July 1 had, had Dubas remained the GM. I mean, if you're Matthews, are you going to commit on an eight year deal, an eight year extension when you don't know there's like huge questions about the organization that you're committing to? No. Why would he's going to have known the GM for a few weeks? Yeah. So the question then, Jonas, is if Matthews isn't committed on a contract by July one, what do you do? Well, he has a no movement clause, I believe, that kicks in on July one. What do you do? Let's say he's he's not committed on June thirtieth or whatever. You can't. You can't trade him. No, you can't trade him. No, you can't. You have to just continue, and then and then they got you over a barrel, right? Yep. This is like yeah. This 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 feels like before it does <laughs> like it just feels like chaotic this, and uncertain this and feels yeah go back and listen to the leaf report in 2014 and then yeah janet's got to make a really good hire and then that person's got to make a lot of tough decisions in a short period of time and do it well i mean he's still got a good roster you know as i wrote today i, mean, I should probably should have put that story out earlier it got it got a little bit overshadowed today um they got lots of cap space they got lots of holes to deal with 
Was there anything? I mean, we could we could talk a little bit about the roster and stuff while we're here sure. for five minutes. Was there anything in in what I wrote about their cap situation and the roster puzzle pieces that stood out to you? I guess what's a little surprising and it makes sense is just how much space they will have if they want it, and that's not even including trading one of the the higher paid yeah. players. I was surprised too, Jonas. Like if you LTIR Muzzin, it's because there's so many guys leaving that have money. Like that if. If you get rid of Murray and and Hall and Kerfoot don't come back, that's four point seven eight like ten. No, almost that's over ten million right there. Yeah. Um, for guys that were playing, you know, I mean, like, like Murray is basically dead money that you're getting because he he didn't really contribute anything to the cause this year. So there's like an extra four point seven. Assume you can get rid of that contract, which I I think they're going to be able to. Um, they have a lot of cap space. They have nineteen and a half million, and they have some big holes, like they have. They need a, a first line left winger, and they need a second line center, and they potentially need a third line center. They probably need to upgrade on defense. Yeah, Not probably. But they do. 19, 19 and a half million, and then if you trade a Marner or a Nylander, you add another seven to eleven million. It's they have a ton of money. So if they make a big trade with one of those guys, they can take back more salary, which is a unique situation for this team. But as as we've seen, cap space isn't always filled wisely. Especially in free agency, it can be difficult to get right. Well, free agent, free agency looks like a mess this year. Yeah, there's, there's not, there's not much there. There's some defensemen that interest me, but we can get to that on a later. But I mean, Orlov's one of them, but he's gonna get, he's 32, he's gonna get big money. What are you gonna do, man? Like you gotta, you gotta get someone. Yeah, like they say, uh, that line on The Simpsons: "You gotta nuke something." Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. We're going to be back next week. We will digest this over the long weekend. I think we're going to have Chris Johnston on next week. I talked to him and it sounds like he's down. So, um, And then we're going to have Down Goes Brown. Huh? Huh? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Maybe we do a super show and have both of them on. I don't know. But like, we definitely, we're going to have guests on next week and um, continue to uh, analyze i think i people should stay tuned over the long weekend to some of the stories that come out because from us um because i think there's going to be there's there's more to the story that hasn't come out yet indeed indeed well be sure to to go to the athletic.com and check out our stories on this very specific thing we'll have lots josh cloak is writing down goes brown's writing you're writing i'm writing everyone's writing it's it's a party and obviously there's other sports go to the athletic.com slash safe report to sign up James, thank you for helping me digest this in very short order. We will uh, talk next week and enjoy the long weekend, May 2 4. Woo woo. Thanks, Jonas. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.